0: It's a phrase from popular movies. It's also a question that comes up in our daily life. The question is, is that even legal? We talk about the things that drive you crazy, the things you won't believe, and the things you need to know and understand. I'm attorney Bob Sewell, and this is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? Let's get started. On the podcast here today, we have Russ Retrosoff, he is a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner, and he focuses his practice on criminal law. We also have Doug Gardner. He is a family law specialist and a partner at the law firm at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank nice you. to be here, Bob. Glad to be here. So I want to tell you a story. There was a couple that were happily married, and they decided that they would record themselves in an act of intimacy. And they did. And later, the marriage turned south. And every time in the divorce proceeding that he wanted something, he wanted a concession, as a negotiation technique, he would say, if you don't do X, if you don't give me that child support reduction or the parenting time or whatever it may be, I will release that recording onto the internet and... That's how it went for months and months, if not a couple of years. And she would say, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. That'd be very embarrassing. And he would say, yes, I'm going to do that. And then when he would get what he wanted or when he was happy, he would say, you know, I deleted that. I I really don't have that recording. Everything's going to be fine. And she would then have it come up again. No, he'd say, no, I really didn't delete it. I was just trying to make you feel good. So, Russ, is that even legal?
1: No, Bob, that is not legal. (laughs)
0: Okay, tell me what's illegal about that. So, um, threatening,
1: the the mere act of threatening to release the video um, is a crime in Arizona. Um, If he actually releases the video, that's an even more serious crime. Um, It goes from being a misdemeanor to a felony. Um, Depending on what he's asking for, too, though, um, threatening to release the video unless she gives him something um, could be also the crime of extortion, which is a class four felony in Arizona. So we're talking about um, felony offenses that are being potentially committed here um, by threatening to disclose this video. Unless he receives something in
0: exchange. Well, okay, so let me push back on that, and I know that seems obvious right now, but this was something done willingly. There was no there was no pressure to do it. It's something that was done willingly, and what's the problem then, right?
1: So the the law acknowledges whether it's. Um, whether it's wise or not, the law acknowledges that um, people make these videos, you know, and w- maybe we don't always think things through clearly when we're in the heat of passion and we decide to make one of these right. videos. Um, but the law acknowledges, hey, people make these videos. What can we do? to protect people from having these videos used against them in a way that is either intended to, um, you know, embarrass, harass them, harm them, threaten them, coerce them, um, or, you know, extort them, essentially. And so Arizona actually has a law. um, It's, it's, we refer to it as revenge porn law, but it doesn't actually say in the statute revenge porn, but um, for the unlawful disclosure of images depicting state of nudities or specific sexual activities. It's got a really rousing title, Um, but that is essentially Arizona's Uh, revenge porn statute and it prohibits even if the video is was made with consent you know everybody said hey let's make a video yeah that sounds like a great idea Um, later it prohibits the parties from using that video to try to embarrass harass coerce threaten the other person
2: so consent being judged based on the time of release not the time of recording initially
1: well it, actually if if the video is made without consent so say um say a person hides a camera in their bedroom and then records themselves having an act of intimacy that is in and of itself a whole other crime that's another felony called surreptitious viewing and um That's a class five felony on top of the other
2: crimes that are being committed. So if you want somebody to release something pornographic of you, you have to have consent when you record it and when they release it. Yes. Not that anybody would want that.
0: So (laughs) what about the family law setting, Doug? I mean, what could the family law courts do? in this situation.
2: Well, just just like in your story, uh, I mean, this does come up often enough in family law settings because that's usually when, you know, when people are getting along happily, nobody's threatening to release the tapes and the tapes are just kept within the... Uh, the marriage or in the, in the relationship so this does come up now uh, thank goodness there's criminal laws against it because the family law court really doesn't want to be involved in this they will if necessary but arizona is a no-fault divorce state and so generally the judge doesn't care who did right or wrong and who's at fault uh, and then even with something sexual unless it actually involves children or involves uh, you know shows that the, the parent is unfit as a parent really judges in family law don't want to get into who's right or who's wrong and who did what uh, so now it still is against the law uh, in every divorce case. There's a preliminary injunction that includes something that uh, you know, paraphrasing says, do not harass, you know, "Thou shalt not harass the other person. Uh, and so uh, doing this or threatening it, it would get you in trouble with the divorce judge. But the divorce judge is busy and has other things to focus on. Now, should you do it? Absolutely not. Not just the criminal issues, but if this does get in front of the judge. You know, this is a judge that you want on your side. This is a judge that you want to make favorable decisions to you monetarily and for the children. uh, And and ticking the judge off uh, based on something ridiculous that you've done is generally not advisable and not a good idea ahead of time.
0: Well, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with that because shouldn't the family law courts do more? Because this is potentially damaging to the children of the relationship. This is damaging to the individuals in the relationship. Um, You know, Shouldn't they do more I, than just say, hey, all harassment is bad and shouldn't they be more specific? This is not
2: uncommon. Well, there's criminal laws to deal with it. And so that's why they don't necessarily need to get into it. Uh, and then just the, the general reluctance of judges to get in and, and judge right or wrong and whether they should or shouldn't have made this tape 15 years ago when things were happily. Uh, you know, Judges in, in family law really just don't want to get into ethics and morals and who's right and who's wrong. Uh, and, and so because of that, we just don't see judges touching this issue very much in family law. So the, again, thank goodness there's criminal laws against it because that's that's where the teeth are. That's where the real threats come in.
0: Russ, I mean, let's talk about those criminal laws because this hasn't always been the case. Because I remember 15 years ago, there was no revenge porn criminal laws, was there?
1: No, so these these this Arizona law, and there was kind of a nationwide push for these types of laws. Um, it happened about I want to say it happened about five or six years ago. We started to see this push, and you you actually run into some interesting First Amendment issues because the original law that was um, passed by the Arizona state legislature was much more general. It didn't have an intent requirement. Um, it, you know, the current law has a requirement to intend to harm, harass, intimidate, threaten, or coerce. The original law didn't have that intent requirement at all. So there were some First Amendment problems with it. What if we had a politician who, um, sent naked photos of themselves to an intern? You know, that is, you know, newsworthy. Um, it's political. In nature, so in political speech is more protected. So the original law that was passed was was overly broad. Um, it's kind of interesting. What happened is the ACLU sued the state of Arizona, and the Arizona Attorney General's office and all the county attorneys' offices were like, "Oh yeah, you know what? We know this statute is unconstitutional, and we're not going to intend to enforce it." So then the state legislature went back, and they fixed the law, and they added intent requirements into it so it would pass First Amendment muster.
0: This is not a law that's found nationwide, right? I mean, there's quite a few of these, but there are still some states without these, I'm assuming.
1: I can't say like which states do or don't have revenge porn statutes, but I can say that when Arizona was, you know, coming up with its first revenge porn statute, and then it's later its second revenge porn statute, um, there was a nationwide push to for the states to implement revenge porn statutes. And there was kind of what I was seeing, because I was looking at it at the time, is that there were two basic schools of thought with regards to the statute. One was to have a statute with an intent requirement. The other was to have a statute without an intent requirement. And my position at that time was that the statute without an intent requirement wouldn't pass First Amendment muster. And sure enough, um, the Attorney General's office, the county attorneys, and the ACLU all agreed with me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And they they fixed it,
1: right? (laughs) They did. They fixed it. And now Arizona has a statute that has a specific intent requirement.
0: You know, I remember 10, 15 years ago, people were coming into the office and there was a rash of this. And they'd come in, they'd say, you know, first of all, No attorney was willing to talk to him. And they're typically female, right? And they would say, I did these pictures with my boyfriend or husband or significant other, and now he has released them, or he is about to release them. And there wasn't a lot of remedies. I mean, we could go to the tort, you know, there's always a tort of uh, invasion of privacy you could you know public disclosure or private facts but all these things are to address the problem after the humiliation so you know intentional infliction of emotional distress all these things they they presuppose it's already happened and there's nothing really to try to stop or deter this behavior and so the they would say okay so what can i do well after you spend thousands of dollars with me and thousands of dollars on your therapist then we might be able to get a remedy in the form of a judgment once you go through this humiliating exercise in front of the courts and you disclose these pictures to the jury and then you can get a damages award from a jury that may or may not be sympathetic because you were a willing participant at the time well that wasn't a very satisfactory answer it it was tough. You know, getting
1: any relief under civil law um, usually requires an expenditure of money. And so you have a situation where people who can afford to pursue, you know, civil justice can pay for it. And then the people who can't afford it don't get it. Um, you know, an attorney is not going to be willing to pursue a case, you know, in civil court, especially if, you know, the damages may not add up to what the attorney's fees would be. So, you know, a common conversation at that time between a civil attorney and a person whose, you know, videos have been released online would be Look, we here's what we can do, but it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars, for, for, and you may never recover that money.
2: For fifty thousand, we may be able to get you ten thousand dollars of that back.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this yeah. just a nightmare, right? Yeah. Okay. What about the the family law courts? I'm I'm dissatisfied with the with what you're telling me, not, not because you're wrong, but I'm tr- because I'm. I'm, try, I'm trying, Bob. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> dissatisfied because why can't they get the family law courts to issue an injunction, delete destroy those videos?
2: You potentially could. That that That's a potential remedy. And, you know, the, the videos are an asset. I mean, everything that was acquired or, or created during the marriage is community property and so it needs to be divided and so the the division of that could be an agreement to delete it the the problem is if it's something electronic uh, you know how do you prove it was deleted you might delete that one thumb drive but there might be a hundred other copies so uh, the parties can't agree or you can go to court and have a specific order that something be destroyed or given to one person or uh, that not to be released except for on certain conditions Um, the enforcement of that though is always difficult I mean you know somebody's ordered to delete it how do you know for sure that it's has been deleted
0: and again you know if i'm awarded the copyright of the other video i'm rewarded awarded
2: the video and then it's released good luck sue go sue on copyright but that goes back to spending fifty thousand dollars to you know, maybe recover something or uh, get a small slap on the wrist of the other person. So, you know, it's a, yes, it can be agreed upon or it can be ordered. Uh, but sometimes in family law, I mean, there is there is some dissatisfaction.
0: But doesn't it go, we heard Russ talk about it's a misdemeanor and if it's released, it's, it's a felony. It's a misdemeanor to uh, threaten, it's a felony to release. But so, doesn't that go directly to the fitness of a parent? I mean, Someone, whether or not they're fit to be uh, a parent uh,
2: and and get parenting time, doesn't that go to that? Uh, Sometimes we would want that, depending on which which client we represent. I guess we would want that, but generally courts are looking very specifically at at direct uh involvement with the children. So for example, and somewhat related, um there can be you know substantial amounts of proof that that one person in the marriage was uh involved in pornography, he- heavily involved in heavy pornography. Uh and the judge just says, look, that's irrelevant. What somebody does on their own time is not relevant. Now, if there's a shred of evidence that that the child was sitting on his or her lap at the time they were viewing the pornography, absolutely that goes into Uh, uh, The fitness of a parent. But courts really, just like courts try not to get involved in people's religious choices, courts try not to get involved in people's moral choices. Uh, And so just because somebody makes a a decision that we would see as not moral um, does not the, the courts are reluctant to then uh, impute their own morality on that person and say, well, then they're not fit as a parent. Hmm. So just the, the whole hands off. I mean, the, the court just really does not want to get involved in become a court of morality or a court of religion. Uh, and, and so it's, it's just it's a dangerous and slippery ground. And judges just prefer to stay widely away from that unless there's some direct link with the children. So if the children were involved in it oh absolutely the judge wants to hear about it and I'm am sure the criminal judge also wants to hear about that don't do that um but uh, generally speaking the divorce judges really just don't want to to get into that sometimes depending on you know again the severity of it sometimes you can bring it in uh and it it will have some impact on the judge but for the most part it's it's really it's dissatisfying if if that's who your client is and I guess perhaps satisfying if you represent the other person in the case
0: so, one more question about this. If I have these pictures on my electronic device, okay, uh, and I'm going through this divorce, should I have any concerns?
2: Well, you ha- have them, but number one, don't send them to your attorney unless there's a specific need for them. So, if, okay. if, your, if your attorney uh, determines that, that these may be relevant, because we talked about that, you know, it's not always relevant, then only then if it's needed then send it to your attorney make sure it's marked very carefully so that your attorney staff doesn't open it up and uh you know review it as they're putting in the file on accident so you know again your attorney probably doesn't want it and if he does he wants it coming in marked sensitive uh, but along with that do be careful uh you know we have situations you know the, the the parties may have been dating when they're 17 and they're now 27 10 years later the problem is then these are also illegal for another reason, that they're underage photos. And so just because the person is now over 18 doesn't make the photos of them when they were 17 and a half overage. And so, um, you know, and Arizona and Russ can talk more about that. But, you know, having having a photo of somebody underage on your phone is a potential huge Felony issue, and absolutely don't send that to your attorney. I don't want that because then I, I'm potentially committing a felony uh, by just by having it. And so, and Russell will talk about that. It may not be quite as bad as I'm saying, but the, the the safer answer is just don't do it and just don't send it to your attorney. Um, and I guess along that line, if you have children under eighteen, don't let them have a cell phone because they're going to be <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be sending pictures of each other nude, and then you're the owner of the phone. There's some potential legal. Risk and, and Russ might get you out of jail, but you might be in jail for a little while until you prove that. So, <laughs> what do you anyway, think, Russ? Let, let Russ clean that one up for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, an issue with
1: teenagers uh, sexting each other is that essentially they're creating child pornography, even if they're taking photographs of themselves or videos yeah. of themselves and transmitting them. So, um, and if they're under. If they're under the age of 18, um, it's a problem. If if it's if they're under the age of 15, it, it's a huge problem because it's there's a sentencing enhancement called a dangerous crime against a child. So anytime something like that involves a person under the age of 15, there's this huge sentencing enhancement. Um, so yeah, in a situation like Douglas brought up where you have people who are high school sweethearts. And, you know, they're still holding on to the photographs that they sent each other when they were 14 years old. Um, You're in possession of of child pornography. So, um,
0: yeah, don't seems just nuts. But I mean, it's it's, yeah, it seems nuts, but it makes sense. I
1: I had a I had a situation once and this kind of goes to the sending. Uh, child porn to your lawyer I had a situ- I had a case that involved teenagers yeah. and it involved cell phones and it did not involve uh, child pornography though but the prosecutor's office sent me over as discovery they sent me a CD that had an image of a cell phone on it. Um, it was the victim's cell phone but it was a, it was an image of her phone the, the electronic image of her phone. Like, so all of the files on her phone. So I sit down to review the discovery, and I very quickly realized that there are uh, naked photos of this young lady um, on the phone. So what I actually had to do is I, I contacted um, the prosecutor's office. I immediately contacted the prosecutor's office and said, hey, you guys sent this over. Um, they were shocked and horrified. And within the hour, they had sent an investigator over to pick up the material. We also had to clean, because the contents of the CD had been moved into our kind of onto our internal network, we had to have our IT staff clean up the internal network to make sure that any remnants of that were wiped out. But so if you do happen to come upon child pornography in in a situation like this, the only legal way to rectify the situation is to immediately notify the authorities, in which case, and this is what we did, but yeah, don't send child
2: porn to your 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 attorney. Talk to your attorney first before you, before you call the police on yourselves. Yeah. yeah. Talk to your attorney first and let him help you do it the right way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Gentlemen, thank you. I mean, I learned a lot today. This is a really important issue and, and it's it's troubling to the people involved, uh, and it's troubling. I think is a societal issue that that we're having to deal with this, and it's so prolific. So, um, thanks for talking to us. If I wanted to get a hold of you, gentlemen,
2: how would I do that, Doug? Uh, go online, DavisMiles dot com, uh, or you can email me Douglas. I'm sorry, D at DavisMiles dot com. Uh, phone numbers on the on the website.
1: Russ. Um, probably the easiest way to reach me would just be call 480-344-0933, um, 480-344-0933. Um, my email is rrichelsoff at davismiles.com. But if you can remember how to spell Richelsoff, <laughs> uh, good luck. So, um, But if you if if you were to Google me, I mean, I'm all over the place. So it's I'm easy to find online. And I'm the only Russ Richelsoff in the world.
0: Okay, Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for listening to is that even legal? Remember, this isn't legal advice. If you have a legal question for yourself, reach out to an attorney. Remember that we're fun, we're lovable, and we are here to help you. To my listeners in 62 countries across the world, if you have something you want to explore, email us at producer at even And don't be shy about leaving a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast forum. See you next time.